Hello, and welcome to the Business of Eye Innovation. In this podcast, we explore what's new and next in the world of ophthalmology. Today, we're joined by Tim Clover, CEO of Rayner, and Chris Willis, Vice President of Marketing at Rayner. They'll be talking with MedDevice founder and general manager, Chris Morrill, about the exciting changes going on at this legendary company. Good afternoon, Tim and Chris. It's it's good to be with you both. Um, so, Tim, the history of Rainer goes back. Um, I know a lot of people in ophthalmology associate Rainer with the first interocular lens, but the, the company is, is older than that and is actually marking its 111th year this year. So can you tell us a bit about the history of the organization and its evolution to what today is, is, is completely an ophthalmic uh, surgical company? Yeah, of course I can, Chris. And thanks for the invitation to be, uh, to be on this podcast. So actually the company started as a chain of retail opticians. And um, by the time I joined the company, we had over 200 based in the UK. So it was all based around um, selling and making spectacles. And that's actually how the link with uh, Sir Harold Ridley occurred because after he'd seen his uh, Spitfire pilots with shards of perspex in his eye, he went to his local Rainer optician in London and uh, worked with the optical designer there, John Pike, to develop effectively the world's first um, intraocular lens. Um, the company continued to make IOLs, actually, for an, uh, and <laughs> in our office, we have this box uh, of some of the experimental designs that we created. And it makes me think that we should have had better IP lawyers, because if we had, we'd all just be sitting back smoking cigars and watching the money roll in at this point, because I think every single design ever tried is in that box. <laughs> um, but that wasn't the case. They continued to focus on uh, retail optometry. And uh, when I joined, it was quite clear that the internet and the emergence of uh, well-organized chains was effectively killing that business. And we still had this sort of beautiful business that was slightly um, under the radar. And so my brief was to really come up with a transformation plan about how to completely reinvigorate that and turn Rainer into um, a high growth med tech company focused on ophthalmology. So the first thing we did was sell the, the chain of uh, retail optometrists. And we use that money to really fund this plan that we've been on for the last uh, five or six years. I've worked with Rainer since about 2009 and, and at times, the comment, you know, was this is this is a this is an old-fashioned company that that does not have new technology, and this is certainly something that that you and I have talked about over the years. So, in the transformation that you have led um, with Rainer, what are some of the, the the highlights, some of the standout moments? Yeah, I think um, we we saw a similar. I mean, I've been in ophthalmology for thirty years, so I probably had a not dissimilar view of Rainer at the time. Um, and one of the first things we did was to, in ESCRS, I think in 2015, we went out to a big group of surgeons and asked them what they thought of Rayner. And it was funny because the standout qualities were innovation, despite actually not having launched a new product for quite a few years at that point, uh, and also quality. And the quality was the first thing that hit me when I went into the manufacturing plant. So, you know, we do this three 100%, three times 100% QA check on 
every single lens. I mean, there's an absolutely uncompromising view of manufacturing quality. And that kind of gave me the confidence to say, right, whatever we do, people will accept this because we're starting on a strong foundation. So I suppose the most important thing and probably the thing I'm most proud of is we didn't try and sort of get in a fist fight with Alcon in R&D and take 30 years to come up with a new product. We intentionally designed this open collaborative R&D network uh, with a view to playing a role in the market as the partner of choice for innovator and surgeons and academics who had great ideas for um, our market. And that's been honestly more successful than uh, I anticipated. So today we have 18 PhDs and engineers in the company and we have an open network of you know, way over 100 people who work on R&D. Um, for Raina. More importantly than that, we've been able to link with some, you know, really great organizations and surgeons like Asmit and Repper and Graham Barrett and Joshua Ben Nunn and more recently Stephen Seepser. These are individuals who bring their ideas to us, but stay involved and stay working on the projects, often doing the first denies and the first podiums. Um, and I think that's that's a key role that we we play in the market because. Some of these products may generate, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars of sales, which some of the bigger companies in our market hardly moves the dial at all. They're rounding errors. Uh, but for us, they're, they're meaningful. Um, so we're small enough to care about that, but we're big enough to commercialize something globally. We're also one of the very few companies where we have professional management uh, and access to external capital. So we can do anything uh, we want, basically. And, and I think that that's a great role we've played in the market. And it's been a very sort of successful structure that we've created to accelerate innovation in, in ophthalmology. Do you think, um, I, I, from an outsider's viewpoint, you know, the recent almost double back-to-back -back kit of, of FDA approvals um, sent a, a strong message to the market, to the ophthalmology market about Rainer and new technology. So in this next five years, what, what, are, the, what are the anticipated milestones, highlights that, that you would like to see achieved um, for Rainer? Well, you're, you're bang on, Chris. Um, so I actually, we got, we got a tre treble of, uh, of approval. So we, we had Ray 1A Spheric, Ray 1 Spheric, Ray 1 EMV. And uh, that's brilliant because for our R18, which are really world leading, I think, it's just a, a, a great um, credibility for, for them and, and kudos to, to those guys. Daniel Peake and, and his team just done a great job. But I'd like to see more, honestly. Um, you know, the US is the world's biggest market and um, there's a point in time for a company where your ambitions have to extend that far. So, so our plan is to commence FDA um, studies in the imminent future for both trifocal and trifocal toric and to expand our commercial presence uh, appropriately as those products grow. Um, the other big market that everybody talks about is China, and we have you know similar ambitions and aspirations there. So we recently got our Ray One platform approved in China, and we're hopeful to be able to follow that up with 
um, EMV approval um, maybe next year and also to undertake a registry study for trifocal in, in those markets. So I, I, suppose, I suppose our future, what excites me is that we've kind of laid the foundations today um, and we've still got lots and lots of growth left in those products that we've launched. We launched 11 new products in the last five years and all of them are growing you know, ex extremely well. So we've got that to continue. Um, we have some aspirations to strengthen our geographic presence, particularly in America and um, in, uh, in, in Asia. And furthermore, we believe that uh, our R&D pipeline still contains some absolutely transformational projects. You know, we're, we're deep into projects on polyfocality. Uh, we're deep into projects on accommodating. I think we've got one of the best target technologies for accommodating lenses. So all of those things really excite me. And then I suppose having um, CVC on our shoulder gives us the ability when we knock on doors to talk about potential inorganic expansions uh, to be taken very seriously. And with the start of MDR and um, the ever increasing complexity in our markets and requirements for scale, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see a consolidation taking place. And I would certainly like to be one of the consolidators during this. Well, and you have, you have over, over the years, made some though some strategic yeah. acquisitions such as such as morefields pharma the viscoelastic company and those are folded into the portfolio in a way that yeah i think reflect a surgical business rather than a creating a pharmaceutical business and a surgical business and so i i would guess that that's more what we would you know more is that will be the trajectory that you continue on in the in the years ahead? Yeah, I think so. So I, I'm um, I'm, a, I'm a little against the idea of sort of going out and trying to buy some capital equipment companies and creating a like miniature Bausch and Lom and getting into bundling. And I, I just don't think that's a healthy way for the market to go to use IOLs as a sort of commodity currency for buying capital equipment and nor do I think we have the internal competences if I'm honest to uh, to manage those those sorts of things so for me it's all about visual outcomes that's what the patient's left with that's the most important thing in in our industry and if you're talking about visual outcomes it's the lens the cornea and the tear film and therefore that becomes our interest so always based around the ophthalmologist and the OR but I think a portfolio that encompasses IOLs, potentially products for the cornea and um, products that uh, enhance the, the tear film, that gives you the best outcome. And for us, we've sort of thrown one other leg into that stool, which is digital health, because you know, I, I've long been in a, 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 a supporter of um, improving the level of insights and data collection in our industry. And we, we've launched Ray Pro and we have a sort of very popular um, IOL calculator in Ray Trace. But I think you'll see other products coming into that fold in the future, all of them trying to help the surgeon and uh, all of them focused around improving patient outcomes. But I, I think we can build a big company based on IOLs, drugs, eye drops, and digital health. 
And I think all of that will be focused on helping the patient, helping the surgeon, which is um, seems like a worthwhile, worthy thing to be doing. Thanks, Tim. Um, let's call Chris into the conversation now. And 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 Chris, you joined Rainer in February, which seems like um, seems like a lot of miles have been traveled in that time. Um, and one of one of the one of your remits was to help Rainer grow its share of voice and 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 be, create a visit a level of visibility um, that Tim felt it it deserved. So what building blocks have you been putting in place so far to, to develop that, that remit? Hey, thanks, Chris. It's great to be with you all on this podcast. And um, yeah, this is a great question for me to join in. So thank you. Um, you know, in terms of the building blocks we're putting in place, I think the first was to select share of voice as a leading performance indicator and identify growing that share of voice as our strategic marketing intent. You know, like with this intent, we choose to focus our efforts on KOL-led scientific marketing. And by making that choice, a cascade of changes kind of naturally follows, you know, both in terms of the activities that we focus on, but also in terms of how we structure our team. So you've got the intent and then you've got the team for me, which would be the, the second building block, so to say. So um, with that intent, we are now hiring team members who have an external focus, who see the benefit of partnering with KOLs and also who understand the value of scientific marketing in this industry. Um, and as you know, we're, we're also partnering with the right people, um, which includes yourself and um, your Medivise team, ensuring that we invest in activities that align with our strategic intent um, to grow our share of professional voice. So what do you see as the, the key opportunities and what are the key challenges in, in, your, in your role and in and really in the ophthalmology industry today, because as to Tim's point, we we are in a, a, a very interesting time with MDR coming on board, GDPR, all these new levels of regulation, um, plus a very competitive marketplace. Yes, we are. Good point. Good question. You know, I think if you look at internally our team and how they engage externally, honestly, it seems like the opportunities are endless right now. Um, Tim alluded to this, we have great products and we have an extremely strong team um, and we have customers or partners, right, who are excited to work with us. You know, I think that's the opportunity and it's a really great place to be. So personally, you mentioned six months, time flies, right? Um, I feel very lucky to have the opportunity to be here um, in this position at this time. Um, there's so much good stuff that we will collectively do both internally at Rainer and in collaboration with our partners, partners like yourself, um, it's a really very exciting time. Um, you know, relating to that, you know, in terms of challenges, right now we're only so many people and there's only so much time. And I think um, I hear you say this all the time. Um, so until we grow the team, which we are actively doing right now, um, prioritizing and maximizing our current opportunities would be um, certainly the challenge that I'm focusing on um, with my team. Yeah, I will say you do have a dynamo and a marketing manager. Um, it was, I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, Tim Brown is fantastic. You're right. Just as an aside from an observation, you know, the 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 Rainer team today is by far one of the most professional sales and marketing organizations that I've worked with in a lot of years, and and the execution and the and the 
the the focus that you guys bring to the table is 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 you know at a at a different level. It really is, and that's not as a client. That that just just an observation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, you mentioned yeah. Tim, but honestly, across the entire team, you know, we've got people in our digital health business. We've got people in across the iSciences team, product management. Now we're also building materiality across our regional offices. So as we move our business direct internationally, um, we are ensuring that we have feet on the ground in terms of marketing people to continue with this strategic intent that we talk about um, to develop KOL-led scientific marketing activity. Um, So this team grows, this team continues to be externally focused, um, connected to the market, the ophthalmologist, what it is they need for us to do to ensure that they can be successful with their patients, with the tools that we provide them. So I feel lucky. Um, I've inherited a very, um, very strong team with um, strong motivation to make a difference and do the right thing. Um, so we're in a good place. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and I, to that point about, you know, the digital area and, and Tim Clover's challenge on growing RayPro and developing RayPro. And, and to me, this yeah. is one of the most exciting things that, that Rainer has and working with the team on that, you know, and we say, what does this look like? And, Here's, you know, here's the data that I think we need to get to the next level. And, and the next day that data is in my, is in my inbox and, you know, that we're, you know, we're working in such a real time um, fashion right now is, is, is pretty amazing. Um, Talking, we've alluded a little bit to the, to the, to the work that you're doing with MedDevice and the, in particular, the plus one EMV um, campaign, which um, if you remember correctly, we, we had a call right after you started. You said, I'm thinking about something. It's a ways down the road. A week later, you called me and said, can you have a pitch done in a week? And to me, it was the absolute dream campaign because it brought together um, focusing on monofocal, premium monofocal, monovision, all of these things that as a clinical slash marketing person, I've spent a lot of time effort working on with different companies, including you in a previous life. So, so tell us about this, this campaign and the EMV lens and and what it means to Rainer. Thank you. Absolutely. It's my pleasure to talk about this, as you know, as it it is our um, absolute current focus. So some history at the back end of 2020, Rainer launched the Ray One EMV, which is a non-diffractive enhanced monofocal lens that uses positive spherical aberration to extend a patient's range of vision without compromising their quality of vision. So as we know, this lens can be used as a standard monofocal lens with obviously the added benefit of an increased depth of vision, but more excitingly, it can be used to enhance the very popular monovision procedure, providing a smoother, more blended transition between the two eyes. So as you should, um, and as we know too, um, the organization has been listening to the early adopters of this technology. And what we heard was that the performance, but also the versatility of this lens was creating some real excitement in the market. So um, to encourage this real world conversation that we were were starting to hear, we, as you know, chose to partner with you um, to host a surgeon led discussion on the topics of monovision, spherical aberration, patient benefit, benefits with EMV, et cetera, et cetera. Um, ensuring that the learnings from our early adopters and those joining the conversation now, quite honestly, um, can be accessed by many in an engaging way um, with the overall aim of increasing awareness of this new technology. 
So you know this, this takes many forms, right? We are online, we are offline, we are webinars, interviews, discussions. Um, we have a content hub plus one, EMV, um, and we're just at the beginning. Um, so we are very excited to host this conversation. We are surprised, maybe not surprised, but we are encouraged by the interest that we've seen by the numerous um, KOLs that have been um, very willing uh, to engage in this conversation, to bring their data, to bring their opinion, to challenge their colleagues, um, and to help educate the ophthalmic community on the benefits of using this type of technology in a monovision procedure. Yeah, and I think, yeah, challenge, it, it's interesting. I've very rarely seen doctors reach out and, and respond and challenge, you know, a, a company's marketing effort and, and raise questions and raise provocative questions and interesting questions. And I think that's, it, it, one, I think it's because monovision is one of these, these things that seem to be a bit controversial and some people are quite uncomfortable with the terminology. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it resonates. And in, in, there was one doctor I was talking to recently who looked at me and said, but monovision is the middle. It's, it is, it represents the biggest part of presbyopic correction, as we both know. And it's, it's the area that the, the average, so to speak, surgeon is going to be the best at adopting um, because it's, it, it's cost-effective. It is reasonably effective in the outcomes. And so it makes, it makes a lot of sense in so many ways. And I think that, you know, personally, I think that's why it resonates um, with people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this lens is for patients wanting more depth of vision than monofocal IOLs without the cost and side effects of diffractive premium IOLs. And there's a huge market for that lens. And all we're doing is tapping into a conversation that's already existing and encouraging it and directing it and supporting it um, and sharing that with those people who are not yet in the conversation. And I think what's exciting is those who are not yet, when they get involved in the conversation quickly, look to the commercial team to access the lens. So, you know, um, we have initiated many trials as a result of the conversation, which you know, it's nice that Tim's on the call. That's the point right, of what we're doing. So um, enhancing patient outcomes and providing opportunities for us all to do a better job. So um, it feels like we are in the right conversation. And I think you know that when people are willing and exciting to join what you're doing um, without, um, you know, without really being pushed in any way, just invited to join and we're doing that and people are joining. And uh, like I said, we're just at the beginning, this is two or three months in, we have a plan to do this for the next, what, 10 months yeah. plus and maybe longer, I'm sure it will be. Um, so we're very excited to see where this conversation goes. We know we're taking it to the ESCRS. So there'll be a symposium Friday afternoon at the ESCRS where we'll bring this pretty much online conversation to um, that very important meeting, which finally is live. So we're very much excited to meet our colleagues and friends once again um, in Amsterdam and we'll, that will be another element to the campaign, um, but we'll just continue to develop on this. Yeah, and I, I think one of the highlights for me to, to that standpoint is about this, this people being willing to try EMV. And the team has, you know, periodically reached out and said, do you know surgeon so-and-so, can you get in touch? And, you know, 
approaching these surgeons, you know, sending them the slide deck saying, here's the lens, here's how it works. And the immediate responses that we see and people saying, yes, we want to get involved is, is unlike anything that I've seen in 30 years in ophthalmology. Tim, I didn't know you and I had been in ophthalmology for the same amount of time. Um, and, and that, that can't, that can't be true, Chris. It's true. It's very true. Yeah. And, uh, but I think that, you know, there, there's some, there's something changing here and people like this option of, of a lens that doesn't have the diffractive, you know, diffractive zones and, and not having to worry about aberrations, you know, and, and dysphotopsy and things like that. So that to me, I think is one of the biggest highlights of the campaign. Um, what about you, Chris? Do you have any standout moments so far? Yeah, there are honestly so many highlights, but to to pick a couple, you know, I think that recently we held a conversation in the UK, right? And it's a conversation, not a webinar. And I think that there's been so many webinars over these past 18 months. Um, there is, you know, close to webinar fatigue. Um, but not if it's the right conversation, right? Not if it's held in the right way. And I think that's something that you've brought to the mix and we appreciate. And in this UK conversation that we hosted, it was a real mix of people who had experience with a lens, people who had the beginnings of some experience, some people had no experience. And we hosted this conversation between extremely intelligent thought leaders in this industry who fully understood what we brought to the market in terms of spherical collaboration and this lens's ability to enhance depth of vision um, without reducing quality of vision. And to watch that conversation unfold, I think I was telling you that um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a true multitasker and I attend all these conversations and, and often you end up doing a couple of things at the same time as these conversations are taking place, but I've never been so glued to a conversation in quite a long time. And I think you and I checked the metrics afterwards and for every attendee that joined, not one dropped off before the end. And I don't think that uh -uh. happens often. And I think when we saw that, we realized that we tapped into a discussion that people wanted to be a part of. So for me, it was seeing not only the conversation, but the impact it had on the audience and their attention to be there till the end, um, encouraged not just myself, but everyone involved in the project to keep pushing forward, keep bringing in new, new doctors to join the conversation, new elements to the conversation, and to ensure that we keep this as engaging as it has been. Because when you have people who stay to the end of that discussion, you know that you're in the right place. So for me, I think that was the real highlight. Okay. And the questions, we had so many questions in that webinar. Um, they were just flying, flying, couldn't keep up with them. And that, that was fantastic. So I would agree that that, yeah, that was a moment in time that uh, <laughs> was, was really, was really welcomed. So, okay. Um, so Tim, any, any last words from you on uh, plus one Rainer in the next uh, you know, 12 months. I was thinking about what my highlight would be. And uh, I, I've been following all of these. Um, I think you know, both Chris's are doing a great, a great job, really. And I, I'm sort of humbled, actually, a little bit by the response that we're getting. But um, I'm personally really happy that uh, the commitment I gave to Professor Barrett uh, quite a few years ago now uh, we, we're delivering on and, and doing that proud because um, you know we, we take these ideas and 
and develop them and, uh, you know, Nat and Dan turn these into viable products and somebody writes the lathe files and there's so many people in, involved with them, but it's really important at the end that, you know, the kernel of this idea is someone's um, baby at the beginning. And uh, I want to make sure that we, you know, we do them proud. So um, hopefully we're doing that. Great. Well, Tim Clover and Chris Willis, thank you very much for joining us today. Pleasure as always. And on our podcast and um, wishing you both a great rest of the summer. Thank you very much. Join us next time when we'll be talking with Keely Pulse and Dr. Vance Thompson about world-class clinical sites, why we need them, and what it takes to be one.